Welcome into the Husker 24-7 post-game podcast edition. We are doing this on Saturday morning. We didn't know if people would want to hear us talking at midnight last night about Nebraska's throwing 28-21 win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Piscataway. The Huskers had to come back in this game. They trailed various times, uh, but managed to, uh, to pull it off and maybe even more improbably managed to run out the entire clock from what the seven minute mark. That's something we haven't seen Nebraska do successfully in a long, long time. And that might be the thing that sticks out the most to me in a game that has no shortage of uh, big moments, big plays, big miscues, uh, missteps, steps forward. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways we can go with it. Let's welcome in Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. These gentlemen worked late. They're up early. How are you feeling on Saturday morning? Like a million bucks. Uh, I'm, yeah, how many cups of coffee are you in right now? Uh, this is four or five. The, uh, yeah. my, daughter didn't get the memo that a, my daughter didn't get the memo that there was a night game last night, so we're up, we're up a little early today. Mm. Getting some Daniel the Tiger in or whatever that show is. Yeah, we actually uh, – she, she got into an old box in our basement and found my old wrestling figurines from when I was a kid. So, she was playing with uh, old-school Ric Flair and Ultimate Warrior this morning. There you go. <laughs> Raising her on the classics. Nice. She's just going to be doing the dead man drop around the house from now on. <laughs> I tried to explain to her who Jimmy the Superfly Snucko was, but she didn't seem too interested. <laughs> disappointing though I, I think jimmy the superfly snooker has bigger issues than that yes yes he does <laughs> we didn't get into those though <laughs> she wouldn't understand those either all right uh so nebraska pulls out that win and it was a it was a weird game i mean it, it looked like it was a the a macro version of every uh or micro version of everything we've seen from nebraska this season at various points in times but the offense kept turning out yards. They, they fully committed to a downhill running game, something they haven't done all year. And Dedrick Mills looked like the running back that I thought he was going to be uh, from the beginning of the season on. And, and really, at the end of last season, he was this guy. I don't know why it took so long. It was game number eight. But it was nice to see Dedrick Mills enter the season and uh, play the way that he did. Well, I think it shows maybe a trust factor in Mills that – hasn't quite arrived with the other backs. And some of those guys have been injured too and had some things uh, happening. So there's been a lot of inconsistency at the position about who's available. And Diedrich, he looked healthy last night. I mean, I think it, I don't know if he had been, but he just had a, a hop in his step. And uh, you could tell, and he said as much uh, in an interesting post game uh, that Rutgers really didn't want to deal with him or, or hit him. Uh, in, by the second half, I mean, he was he was kind of having his way out there. Uh, ended up with what I think two hundred was it two hundred thirty five yards of offense in this game, one hundred ninety one yards rushing, almost equal to season total of two hundred five. Uh, it's what you wanted to see all year. You're right. I think it's what we thought we were going to see when he was being called a bell cow in the camp and all of that. Um, and it showed up here uh, a week before Christmas. Runs. I was, I was impressed with, you know, the, the way that he, the, the way that he ran, it, it was similar to the, the kind of the, the Wisconsin game last season. I mean, he, he looked healthy, he looked confident. Um, 
you know, Nebraska tried to go away from him a little bit at times, um, even last night. But, um, you know, I, I think it was a pretty good example of what he can do and how he can finish games. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the way that they kind of played in that fourth quarter running the clock out. I mean, that they ran seven and a half minutes off the clock and looked like a team that was confident. And I think a large part of that was just Mills is running and he was good as a receiver out of the backfield too, made some tough catches and, and turned it upfield, ran with it. So, I mean, that, that was the kind of game that we had discussed in the hype cast that it was likely going to be where, you know, Nebraska was going to need to establish the running game and, and, you know, keep going with it. And they did that. I mean, I, I think it, uh, it, it, it's, it makes it a lot easier as a play caller when you're, you're running backs getting, was it seven high sixes, low sevens per carry? uh in a game so you know if that's the last we see of Diedrich Mills at Nebraska I think it was a pretty good um you know kind of swan song for him uh on a very very cold night in an empty stadium in New Jersey yeah it definitely was and and I I am one of the people that feels like that is the last that we're we're gonna see of Diedrich Mills barring a bowl game we'll get into that discussion here in a couple minutes but um you know it was a strong strong performance from him and it was a strong performance at times a maddening performance a very adrian martinez performance uh four turnovers two really inexplicable fumbles um in in my opinion and then you know the both interceptions were thrown uh, to guys that were pretty heavily covered and yet he still also had one of the best games of his season in terms of his ability to create offense, he had more than 400 total yards. His touchdown pass to Wandell Robinson was great. Uh, the touchdown run that he had from, I think it was like 40-some yards or something like that, was really good. He had another run in there that was a 30-some yard run where it just felt like he was the only one in the middle of the field for about a 15, 20-yard stretch. Uh, and it, it, it highlighted why Adrian Martinez is so intoxicating at the helm of Nebraska's offense. And it also highlighted why he's so maddening. And I, I just feel like there's no way Nebraska moves on from him. And yet it's hard for anyone to trust what you're going to get any night of the week. Uh, or well, since the big 10 could play any night of the week, but uh, it's hard to know what you're going to get any game from, from Adrian. And it's just, it's such a weird feeling that this is going to be the, the storyline and the, the offense again. And we already know that for 2021. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, you summed it up uh, pretty well. I mean, he, he is definitely a, a headache for defenses to deal with, and sometimes he's a, he can be a headache for the fans with, uh, with some tough plays. But, I, you know, he's a fighter, and I give him that, because uh, after he overshot um, Wandale Robinson on that, that pass, you know, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen for him the rest of the night. And it felt like the story was sort of being written a certain way. And he was able in the last quarter and a half to sort of uh, do a rewrite a little bit on that. Uh, definitely did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I respect that. And I, I know a lot of folks in this, this state uh, respect Adrian for how he's uh, handled everything this year. Uh, but you're right. I mean, at some point, those turnovers, they, they got to get washed away. It's just a question of can that happen because uh, there's sort of a track record with it at this point. Um, nonetheless, he made some really great plays, too. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, on the 
I love the aggressiveness late. Uh, they go for it on the fourth and two, uh, which was risky. Uh, if you don't get it, Rutgers, which was pretty lifeless, but suddenly has life with the ball at midfield and only a touchdown away. I like that they didn't call timeout too, because yeah. I, I don't think Rutgers fully anticipated they were actually going to snap the ball. You know what I mean? Like, I think they thought they were maybe just going to try to draw him off. And then suddenly Martinez is ripping around the left side for 11 yards. That's, that's your ball game. Uh, so it, it is a hard game to size up with the QB. Uh, what we do know is he's better with, without the sleeves and with the sleeves in the cold. <laughs> he also had a hell of a punt, too. First, first yeah. punt by a Nebraska quarterback since 1965. Could that be a thing moving forward? Just, you know, sorry, Daniel Cerny. We've got a, uh, we've got a punter in Adrian. I, I mean, if you kind of look at what Nebraska's done this year, it's probably a coin flip, which is better, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Uh, speaking of punting, just real quickly, the, the Rutgers punter just put on like a showcase. <laughs> yeah, he was, was good. That was a <laughs> hell of a game. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, that one was amazing. That was like, I said, like Phil Mickelson, where it just like checked with this two-yard line. I, you got to give him props. Uh, he, he was part of the lopsided special teams uh, way this tilted. It was like a big kid on the teeter-totter against like a little kid. Um, when you compare special teams, Nebraska couldn't do anything about him. He was just good, except maybe not give him the whole left side of the field on a fourth and ten. Uh, when a punter runs for a first down, but the uh, kick coverage uh, continues to be incredibly frustrating. And it was so even before Cruikshank went 98 yards, they were kind of pooching it up and uh, Rutgers was getting the ball at the 40 yard line about every time. And, you know, on the other hand, you watch Nebraska when they get a kick return and you know, if they take a try at it, they're probably getting it to about the 18. So it feels like there's always like a 20-yard sacrifice of field position on that exchange at least. You got to just start kicking it out of bounds at this point, right? Like that's, that's the move. Well, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I put a poll out there where three of the options were out of bounds and one was inbounds, and people seemed to think out of bounds was the way to go. They would have saved yards last night. I mean, hopefully <laughs> – it's not the way you want to live long term. Hopefully, you can eventually figure it out where you don't do that in 2021. But uh, ongoing issue, I know they looked under the hood a lot with it a long time uh, last year, but they, they're going to have to bring that, that vehicle back into the shop because um, it, it's, it's, it, it's not great. Um, you know, but I felt like the defense um, – overcame all the turnovers and their special teams putting them in crappy positions all night and was the unsung hero of this game really yeah oh, the defense played really well they gave up that one pass to uh um Zitowski or Zikowski and and Bo Melton on the first play and then other than that Isaiah Pacheco touchdown run on fourth and short that looked a lot like the Mo Ibrahim one they Rutgers really didn't do much offensively. Nebraska's defense did a nice job. They played them a lot at the line of scrimmage. They got some pressure at times. Uh, they, they got some help. There was a very key drop that occurred, I think, on third down uh, when the game was kind of in the middle, uh, in the middle of the field and forced Rutgers to punt from there. And so I, I think that they, they played pretty good defense. Again, Cam Taylor Britt uh, had a very nice game. Nick Henrich, Michael Bruns pointed out after Twitter, played very well. 
Uh, he's kind of had some interesting roles, both outside and inside. I, I just thought that they played – Garrett Nelson, I think, has come on really strong the last few games. I, I feel better about Nebraska's linebackers at the end of this season, even without taking into account the seniors that they're going to be losing, than I certainly did coming into the season. And I think that's a good thing. I think there's some guys that you can sort of build this defense around moving forward if you're Eric Shenander. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Rutgers isn't going to be confused with, you know, an offensive juggernaut, but I mean, you, you pointed out they, they held them to 202 yards um, after that first deep ball that they hit um, nine first downs is all Rutgers had. Um, you know, Nebraska was disruptive enough. I mean, I, I think you also kind of just saw as the season went on, I mean, we talked a lot about how bad Nebraska was on third downs uh, to start the season, and they were bad. Um, but, you know, again, last night they were really good in that way. Two for 13 um, was all Rutgers was on third down. Uh, you mentioned Henrik. I, I think – I agree with you, Mike. I, I think Nebraska's linebacker group uh, has some pieces that, you know, you you were kind of questioning uh, at, at the start of the season who was going to step up a little bit. I think Nelson's played well. I think Henrik is a guy that certainly uh, you can use inside or outside. Uh, you know, that group, I guess, is kind of interesting depending on what Will Honus decides to do with his second senior season. But uh, that, that that group, I think, improved uh, both inside and outside as the year went on. And I mean, they didn't even have Luke Reimer on the field last night. So, um you know, definitely a, a couple guys that you can kind of start to build around long term and, and guys who are, you know, very young uh, in their college football careers still. Yeah. Absolutely. The defensive staff had a good year, I thought. Um, I, I know there's the Illinois blemish. That was an ugly game. But I felt like that side of the ball was uh, holding their weight throughout. Um, I really did throughout this season. Um, and they just weren't getting enough help. And so, you know, last night, to me, sort of encapsulated that. Uh, and there was times where, you know, Rutgers, I think, had a third and one, and Damian Jackson comes in from the outside and makes a tackle, and then on fourth down, uh, Garrett Nelson does the same thing, and they stop him. And they, so they had these key moments where Nebraska was sort of waffling. The offense kept turning it over, and it just felt like disaster was looming. Uh, and they didn't let the dam break, and uh, it gave their offense a chance to actually get the, you know, take their sleeves off and uh, stop turning the ball over and turn those into touchdowns, and there you go. I, I think if, if I did the quick math right, if Nebraska just averaged 27 points a game or, or scored 27 in every game they played, they would have went 6-2 and two this year. I mean, that's how the defense – played for this group the losses would have been Ohio State and Illinois but otherwise you'd have had you know wins in every one of those games I, I mean they they gave up an average 24 and a half um, in the final four games of the year they they gave up uh, 13 of 54 on third down you remember how bad that third down percentage was after that Illinois game and then those final four games it, it flipped for them they were able to get off the field 40 you know they gave up some fourth downs in there, but they were able to get off the field. I'd say 38 times out of 54 opportunities. That's pretty, pretty damn good. And so I, I just think that they are an improved unit. They're a unit that I, I already felt good about coming into the year in the sense that I thought they, they were going to continue to build off of 
last year saying. And, and then you look at some of these guys that stepped up this year. We talked about linebackers, but I'm excited about that defensive line too. Damian Daniels has done a nice job in the middle. Casey Rogers is a player for him. Ty Robinson is a player for him. They're really going to miss Ben Stilley, but I think that they're going to be able to replace some of that uh, if he doesn't end up coming back with guys like Mosai Newsom and, and others, you know, behind. But I, I just – I feel good about where this front seven is. And that, that back four is going to be in a really interesting situation. You, you potentially lose Boodle, Dismuke Williams. We'll see what happens to Cam Taylor Britt. I, I guess I hadn't really considered him leaving, but that could be a conversation. Uh, but they, they've got a, a nice nucleus for this defense moving forward, too, that it shouldn't drop off significantly, even though it was a pretty senior-laden group at times. They've got a, there's a couple spots where they're really thin. I mean, safety. Safety is a big one. Um, I mean, inside linebacker, you know, they, they want to play three there. Um, you, you've got two that you probably feel good about. You're adding a grad transfer uh, for, from Northern Iowa in January. But, you know, the, there seems like there's some guys that have played, even though they're a little younger, have played enough football that, you know, you, you can kind of build around them a little bit. Plus, I mean, it, even in the secondary, you know, you, you're getting Braxton Clark back from injury. Um, you know, you, you've got uh, Quentin Newsom's played some a little bit there too, depending on what Cam Taylor Britt does. So it's, it, it's, they're going to have questions, but I, I think a lot of those young guys can feel pretty good about the way that they uh, kind of finished up the season. Uh, the last, last two months of the season, teams were 39 for, 103 against Nebraska on, on third down. So that's, that's not bad. They've got to find their new Doman slash Luke Gifford guy, you know? Um, I mean, he's so valuable because he never has to leave the field with all he can do. And, you know, we'll see who that is if he's on the roster already, you know, like even a guy like Javen Wright is a young player who's had injuries, but uh, is it's going to have to be somebody with that versatile body type like Doman has um because Doman did so much for this unit this year um you know even though I think he got maybe beat on the one early but that was the same play basically uh that happened a week ago where he made an incredible play and the fact that he's even the type of athlete that can be around that um that's the type of guy you're gonna have to find the uh the interesting thing is I think that guy going forward maybe not right away next year but in future years could be Randolph Kapai Mm-hmm. Just sort of a fascinating athlete that Nebraska is looking at as almost a positionless defensive player. So uh, that'll be certainly kind of fun to watch moving forward. All right, let's wrap this up with, with kind of a, I think a really sort of intriguing conversation, because I think if you would have, we would have had this before the game, the thought process is, yeah, Nebraska would take an extra game. They're a team that wants to play after the game. It felt like it sounded a little bit different about Nebraska potentially playing a ninth game, a bowl game. We know that they have been floated as a team. We'll see whether someone wants them to come play in their bowl game. But what do you guys think after hearing some of these players? And Scott Frost, who even said that it's been a long year. Yeah, it, it they they sounded like a tired group. And, you know, I don't, they obviously had had a long day. I mean, they basically been sitting around the hotel all day and then go and play a football game and it's you know 11 30 midnight on the east coast when that thing ended but 
you know, Adrian Martinez points out that he hasn't seen his family since March. Um, a, a lot of guys are in that situation. Um, to Scott Frost has, uh, you know, lost his father this year. Um, he, he looked and has looked just drained um, from the year and, and kind of trying to keep everybody healthy and on the same path. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how many guys actually want to play. I, I could see where, you know, maybe you want to end the year on that kind of performance. You're not getting the bowl practices that you normally would in a usual year. Um, you're not getting that bowl experience of, you know, showing up and, and you know, spending a week at a site or whatever. So uh, I, after last night, I felt a little bit, I, I'm similar to you, Mike, I, I kind of felt less like a bowl game was a certainty if it's offered. Um, and at least there's a conversation that's going to need to be had among the leaders when they get back to Lincoln. Because I, I do think that Nebraska is going to have a chance to play in one if they, if they want to. I just think you're going to see a lot of teams opting out um, for the reasons I just kind of laid out. But they seemed like a, a group that had kind of exhaled a little bit last night. Um, and, and that was kind of the first time I think I'd, I'd noticed that from them. What's the latest uh, bowl game option on the table? It's, it's the one in uh, – first responders bowl is in like early January, I think. Yeah, um, because that – there was a question asked about like if the date would matter and my takeaway, maybe you have a different one was Frost wouldn't want to play a game like next week, you know, yeah. like, uh, so I don't know, maybe if they, if there was a game like that where you could play on bet on January 4th or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Uh, otherwise it, I was with you. Um, it kind of changed my thought process as to if they, wanted to play another one. And I get it because as you say, this isn't going to be a 15 practice deal or anything. This would be just like, Oh, another game week. Basically it'd basically be like, okay, you're going to practice for whoever and you're going to fly out there the day before fly back. So it's no different than any big 10 game in, in that respect. And so, um, and you're telling guys who have sacrificed everything, um, you know, to, they're, they're sticking with you for Christmas and all that stuff. I, I don't know if it, if it's worth it, if, if your guys aren't totally invested and there's going to be a team vote, it sounds like. Sorry. I, I, I don't want to besmirch the first responder bowl. It's played on December 26th. Um, the Duke's Mayo bowl, formerly the Belk bowl is on December 30th, as is the music city bowl. So there's a few options that are a little bit later. I think there's one in Phoenix at some point too, isn't there? Guaranteed rate. Yeah. That's uh, on December 26th. You could make the argument that the sooner they play, the better, because then it's just a few more days of practice, a few more days of preparation, and then you're done. Yeah. Uh, right. As opposed to if, if you were playing on December 30th, maybe. Uh, the latest just kind of bouncing around. Someone has Nebraska in this, which does not seem – this wouldn't seem like the kind of game I think guys would get fired up for with no offense to our country's Navy, but uh, the military bowl and played in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, Nebraska versus Navy. I, I don't know. I'm not sure on that one. I'm, I, I, I really wonder if some of it is just going to be Bill Moose gets presented with his option and they're just like, yeah, we, we don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think they're going to put it to the players and, and take a straw poll basically like where guys are at. Um, that's what they, sounded like yesterday and 
you know, somebody like Garrett Nelson's going to vote yes. Um, but there's, uh, there's some guys who I think might be on the other side of that boat. And I, I don't think there's a wrong answer on this one. So um, you're right, though, Schaefer. If it's between, like, playing December 26th or December 30th, you'd almost rather just go play and, and then guys can go home right after that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking if there was actually an option, like, in January, maybe that would work because then you could – you'd get a full Take week. a few days. Like, yeah. But if, the, if it's not, you're, and you're sort of in that middle ground of December 30th, that's really asking a lot of guys, actually, because um, they won't be able to go home, I don't think, because you'd have to worry about an outbreak and all that stuff. And yeah. um, so it's, it's a tough spot. But Scott Frost, um, you know, you saw the, the toll that this job can take uh, on a person. It's very stressful at any times, and especially during a pandemic and uh, you know, in more important matters, he lost his father. And, uh, you know, those emotions were evident after the game. Um, and so I think some guys might just uh, – they might be at that point where that's a good note to end on. Um, let's, let's, let's turn the page. George Costanza, the whole thing? Leave on a high note. Yeah. Yep. I was wondering if you also wanted to segue that into a Frank Costanza Festivus talk, but uh, <laughs> we could – we could just end with what we've got now too, if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, the, the other factor to con- consider too, I mean, Nebraska is going to be starting winter conditioning later than they would normally because of the, the academic schedule. So I don't know how that plays in, but I mean, it's, there's, there's so many factors to consider that are just unique this year. Um, that uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be between that decision and also guys, I think announcing what their plans are for a second senior season where it's going to be kind of a newsy next couple of weeks. Cause I think what Diedrich Mills said, he'd probably put something out next week or this week uh, on his plans. So we'll see. They just gave the, I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, they just gave the I perfect understand. summary of where they stand as a team too. I mean, it's like that game was like the perfect summary. We talked about the quarterback situation, the, the highs and lows with Adrian. Uh, I think of the first half people saw the, the reasons why Nebraska football has been kept down and the frustrating parts of it. And then in the second half, you saw the reasons why there's that hope or idea that they're closer than some people think when they actually get out of their own way. So in a way it's like they just gave us the perfect snapshot of where it is right now. And you almost don't need another uh, piece of data heading into next year to uh, tell you anything on that front. Yeah, I think you're definitely, I think you're, your spot on there. I, if I had to bet, I would guess that they're going to play in a bowl game. It just sort of feels like they'll talk themselves into it. I think some of it, Brun's kind of hit on this. Like yesterday was a long day. They just got through sort of a grind of a game, cold weather game. You're not at home. Like I could see where you get back, you give them the day off, you come back on Sunday, you weigh out your options, and it just sounds better at that point than it did Friday night after yet another – you know, long sort of performance. So uh, we will we'll certainly keep our eye on all of those things. We've got plenty of stuff up on the website at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check that out. And we will have more stuff throughout the weekend. Remember, it was also signing day on Wednesday, which feels like that was two weeks ago. It wasn't. It was only a few days ago. No Avante Dickerson signature. No Tia Savea signature. 
So we'll have those guys to track going forward as well as the transfers we think Nebraska is going to be pursuing inside the uh, the transfer portal, which is really filling up. We used to make jokes a couple years ago. It's probably triple in size now. So there's a lot that's going to be happening in Husker 24-7. We'll have all of the coverage. I'm sure uh, – do you guys want to do a podcast next week? Should we do a podcast as a Christmas gift to our listeners? We can. We'll do it. Just for you guys, we'll do a podcast next week. Uh, and, of course, we're going to have coverage throughout the holiday season as well because, as Brunt's mentioned – there's still going to be a lot of newsy stuff going on with this team, even if they don't elect to play in a postseason game. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.